What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Got a lot to get to on today's show. We've got some midweek games that have passed. And got to look ahead uh, towards the weekend. If you did not listen to Tuesday's show, already previewed the Michigan Virginia game as well as Johns Hopkins and Georgetown. We'll be looking over four more games this weekend uh, and maybe a couple others uh, here and there uh, on tonight's show heading into the weekend that will be. First and foremost, though, let's get to these midweek games and probably the most uh, highly watched, most highly anticipated, highly talked about one of this midweek slate is Duke and High Point. So the Blue Devils took down the Panthers 19-7 to on Tuesday night. Really a, a game that never was in the balance much at all. Uh, Dyson Williams with seven goals on the night to lead the Blue Devils. That's a career high uh, for the attackmen uh, hailing from north of the border, uh, Brennan O'Neill also got in on the mix there, as well as Andrew McAdory. Uh, O'Neill had four points on the night, two goals, two assists. McAdory had four goals and assisted on two others, had a six-point night for him there. And that Duke attack line, McAdory, O'Neill Williams it has really been strong these first two games. They they had a very impressive game on uh, Saturday against Bellarmine and then putting in another great performance here on Tuesday night, or I should say yesterday on Tuesday night, last night in that victory there, 19-7 to again, Duke taking down high point. And look, Duke, it, 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 it appears, is maybe hitting on all cylinders. Usually when they have, uh, you know, tripped up. And we've seen them. And again, it, it's Bellerman and high point who, who's figuring out life without Asher Milton. So you've got two teams that you knew they were better than. and. Duke comes in, they take care of business. But this is a Duke team, and especially so at that attack unit, that looks like it's clicking a a lot sooner than it had uh, in previous years. We know uh, last year as well as in 2021, you really had some different changes. seemed like every week uh, was a different goal, different – you know, way they were running the offense, and there wasn't much off- offensive uh, continuity in terms of how things were working. Right now, it seems like things are going pretty well. And uh, if this continues, obviously, you know, it could mean great things for Duke. Um, I, I don't want to come out here, in, you know, in the second week of, of the season and say, well, Duke is is better than they were a year ago. Duke has figured it out on offense, but it is notable the way they're clicking, especially at the attack unit. I think they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger than they were last year. Really, 
across the board. The defenses have been impressive. Kenny Brower, uh, Wilson Stevenson looking very good there at pole. Uh, William Helm has been a strong goalie through these first two games. Um, but, but, but again, they, they do have some tough competition coming up. Denver next week, Jacksonville on Saturday. I think they should win that one. Um, but, uh, but again, Jacksonville did upset Duke last year. And if Waldbaum is back, I think it, it, it could be a bit of a different game than we saw from Jacksonville last week. We'll get into that game a bit more here in a few minutes. Uh, but but Duke is taking care of business as expected, as they should right now. Uh, two blowout wins to start the season, a, a strong start here uh, for John Donowski and the Blue Devils. And look, it's February. They haven't tripped up yet. They haven't looked inconsistent in, in really in any way. And you could say, well, no, they blew out both teams. And I get that. That's, that, that's true. That's fair. As I mentioned, they've got some tougher competition especially next Friday, is one that I will certainly be circling the Duke-Denver game. I think that'll tell us a lot, not only about Duke, but also about the state of the Pioneers as well. And we'll get to the Pioneers weekend game here in a minute also. Uh, Merrimack uh, getting a bounce back, a comeback, I should say, over Holy Cross here on uh, Wednesday night, recording this here on Wednesday night. Uh, a 14 to 9 victory there for the Merrimack Warriors. And watching this game, uh, the, the first half really was impressed by Holy Cross and, and what they were able to do. Uh, Dawson Flyers, 11 saves, 44% save percentage. I thought he played very well. Dean DeNano, th- th- this offense was looking pretty strong. Thomas McIntyre ends the day with four goals there uh, for the Crusaders. I thought Holy Cross looked pretty good in the first half. They were able to, uh, off of a man-up goal, go on a, I think it was a 4-5 goal run there in the first quarter uh, to get up 5-1 to one late in that first frame and was able to stay ahead there. I believe it was a 7-5 game at the half. And then Merrimack turns on the gas in the second half. The, the defense held very strong. Uh, defensive midfielder uh, Jack Barron. Uh, helping to lead the way, uh, four ground balls, two cars turnovers. Jo- Joe Conway, the defenseman, also having a strong day there as well with, with two cars turnovers. And then Henry Voigt again showing up in cage, 11 saves, uh, 55% save percentage, I believe it was there. Um, but I, I think really what you saw here, and, and certainly this defense played very well, they uh, held Holy Cross you know, to 0 of 2, on the man up in the second half, one of three on the man up on the day, and th- that one man up goal being that first goal for Holy Cross there to get the party started uh, for the Crusaders as they were able to build that lead in the first half. The Merrimack defense able to shut them down a 17 minute period, uh, so the entire third quarter plus the first two and a half minutes of the uh, fourth quarter where. Uh, Holy Cross is held off the scoreboard. Uh, it is a very strong defensive performance here from Merrimack, especially in the second half. And they coupled that with being able to convert those looks that they were getting. The, the first half of this game really was, you, you saw a lot, both of these teams getting really solid looks. You saw a lot of transition action. And 
things just weren't kind of weren't going that way for Merrimack. And uh, at the beginning, you saw a, a lot of saves on, on both sides, and, and Holy Cross was able to um, was able to break that lid first and and built that lead. Uh, but then, uh, obviously, Merrimack being able to uh, get themselves going in the third quarter, and then with Alan French uh, doing what he did at the faceoff dot, he went uh, 66% on the day, 14 ground balls as well. A strong performance from him there, 18 for 27. Merrimack dominated the faceoff dot, a big reason as to why. They were able to build that lead in the third quarter. The face-off success compounded with the defensive success and being able to convert those good looks uh, really helped Merrimack to build this lead in the second half and complete this comeback victory there, 14-9 over Holy Cross. Uh, Jack Rooney with three goals and four assists to lead the way. But as was, uh, and I think I noted a little bit on uh, Sunday's show when, when we're talking about Merrimack's win over Hofstra, this is a uh, team that, excuse me, on uh, Tuesday's show, uh, this is a team that you know the Rooney brothers, you know what they can do, but you have to replace some other pieces there. Christian Thomas is gone, the leading scorer from a year ago. You're seeing a lot of different pieces come together here. Uh, a lot of younger players step up here in the early going for Merrimack. Brian, Brian Russell, the sophomore, was one of those guys tonight, had a career-high uh, four goals on the day that included uh, he, he had a third quarter hat trick and uh, had back-to-back goals to start the third quarter, which got himself a hat trick on the day. That fourth goal there um, in the third quarter gets him a four goals on the day. So a, a strong day there for Brian Russell and, and a strong win for the Merrimack Warriors as they take down the Holy Cross Crusaders 14 to 9 in some midweek Massachusetts action. Moving on towards what is to come this weekend, and we'll start here with, with Jacksonville and Duke. Max Waldbaum, for, for me, like if he plays, if he doesn't play, I think changes the trajectory of this Jacksonville game. I mentioned last year's game where uh, the Jacksonville defense was able to hold this Duke offense and uh, keep them at bay as best as they could, and it was a very strong game plan that they executed. I'm not so sure Jacksonville was able to um, man up, uh, you know, stack up to this Duke team that way this year. I think Duke wins this game. I'm picking Duke to win this game. Again, we mentioned it in the opening, Duke is playing so well right now that they are clicking on all cylinders. And Jacksonville is a step up in competition, I believe. This has kind of been a, you know, you had Bellerman, and then High Point is a step up from Bellerman. And I would say Jacksonville, uh, especially when the, if, if they are at full strength, is a step up from High Point. And so Duke's moving up the ladder here in, in terms of their competition. And if they beat Jacksonville the, the way they've done, High Point and Bellarmine, uh, I think will be very, very telling. And if they can get that offense going like they have uh, the past two games, will also be very telling. I want to see more from this midfield depth. We've seen a number of different lineups there at the midfield, similar to what we've seen for Duke 
the past couple of seasons at the midfield. So I, I want to see more of what that more of what that gets there. I know Tommy got the midfield uh, a little bit as well as you know, you know Garrett Ludman, some of those other you know common names there uh, that you've heard throughout the throughout the past couple of years there at the midfield for Duke. So I, that, that's the one thing I, I want to watch there is this midfield uh, situation with Duke and, and how how they utilize that depth and how that depth performs. Uh, but, but attack-wise, though, I, I think Duke's going to be able to take Jacksonville uh, all, all day. They're going to be able to do that to a lot of teams this year if they keep playing the way that they are right now. Um, and, and again, if Jacksonville can contain that Duke offense, great. And this could be an upset win and another upset win. Uh, this is obviously a big day for, for Jacksonville with Duke coming to town. You saw the atmosphere at the Rock uh, last Saturday. I think you're going to see a similar atmosphere there. Uh, on sat this Saturday, it is a noon game, so not a night game, but still, you're going to see uh, a solid atmosphere there from the Jacksonville faithful uh, there at the Rock in Duval County. Uh, when moving to the what I would call the the mid major game of the week, Boston U in Vermont. Uh, this is another uh, big time game for Vermont, back to back. Uh, Vermont has really scheduled tough these past couple of seasons, and uh, doing it again here in 2023. Obviously, they had a seven to five loss over Syracuse on Saturday. They now have their home opener here against Boston U, uh, the opener for Boston U. And look, I, you know, I have written down here faceoff dot, and and this is this is the the one area which which I'm really watching in this game is, is Connor Calderon for Boston U and Tommy Burke for. Vermont. These are two guys who've been at the top of their game, uh, and certainly both were last season uh, there for the Terriers and, and the Catamounts. This is going to be a battle that I think could end up uh, de determining what what happens in this game, and this is going to be a battle to watch throughout the contest. Uh, now, the UVM, uh, the Vermont defense, you know, Tim Manning, Jackson Canfield, uh, Danny Manning, like th th these. This is a solid group that they have there. They've got a solid group of uh, Poles, Nick Alviti, uh, there at the LSM spot, and, and a solid rope unit within that. I, I think kind of the, the uh, mentioned the face-off battle is certainly something to watch there, but also how you know, we know what this Boston U attack is with, with uh, Vince DeAlto, Louis Perfetto, Timmy Lay. This is a strong attack unit. Uh, you've got Jake Cates and, and a number of guys there at the midfield as well. This is a strong attack unit, a strong offense that really had success last season. Can this Vermont defense contain this Boston U offense? Because if they can do that, and we saw last year against some of the upper echelon teams, they weren't able to rely off that ball movement as much as they had been uh, throughout the season. And you know, all the teams that Boston U lost to was Army and Ivies. And so can Vermont put the pressure on the BU offense and of course BU's first game of the season, they're looking to come out strong. Can they put that pressure on them that they need to uh, to uh, make that offense stagnant and to make them, you know, we know this is a, a, an offense that last year relied heavily on this attack unit. Can they make them push it to the midfield? And you saw that at times last year when this attack unit was shut down, they pushed it to the midfield and you initiated from the midfield. Not something that they did uh, no, uh, often on a holistic approach last season, but 
uh, something that they can do. So uh, Boston U, the offense, how they attack this Vermont defense, what the reaction is there, and also how much is involved with the Boston U offense is also something to watch here uh, in terms of just uh, the, the, the Terriers. I'm picking Boston U in this game. I think Boston U has the better roster across the board. Uh, you know, Matt Schaefer has been pretty strong uh, in cage there for Vermont. You've got a number of, of good playmakers there on offense. Uh, David Costerman, Brock Haley, Griffin Finch, these guys have been strong and, you know, had some good looks on Saturday. Uh, but when you look at Boston U across the board, very strong. I mentioned Calderon. I mentioned Lay. They've got Matt Garber in cage. You've got Roy Meyer, Patrick Morrison, a ton of big body, talented poles uh, there on the back end. And, and this is a team that can also get out and run with a guy like Roy Meyer there uh, at the LSM spot. So I think Boston U holds the edge here, but this is certainly going to be very interesting. And and I think for me, more so, um, I, I'm watching this game. Certainly I mentioned the, the matchup between the Vermont defense and the Boston U offense, and particularly that attack line, and, and if they can shut them down or not. But I would also mention the Vermont offense, and we see this as an offense that's going to probably change. It's going to, it's still in the works, right? I, David Crossman isn't kind of a guy that you can put out there and, and run an offense through f- f- uh, from a quarterbacking standpoint. They're going to have to look to get some other, uh, get some other looks than they did on Saturday against Syracuse. We saw them kind of struggle through that, but they did do some good damage. Uh, it was Brock Haley that sweep from up top. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what this Vermont offense uh, devises up and how they've grown uh, some of the tweaks and changes they've made since last week. Now, a game that I have on here to preview, but I will say I don't expect it to be necessarily close. Maryland and Loyola. So Maryland is, first of all, I'm taking Maryland in this game. Secondly, um, Maryland is coming off a dominating win over Richmond. What makes me think Loyola can come in here and and challenge Maryland? Not much of anything. This is a Loyola team that you're looking at kind of a new-look offense is kind of the biggest focus for me with Adam Poitras, uh, Evan James, and Davis Lindsay. You'll have some young guns in there as well, uh, expected to, to get some playing time. So, it's a different looking offense, and it you know the core is kind of there that we saw late last season really step up. Some of those guys, Davis Lindsay being one of them. We'll see how this Loyola offense looks against this Maryland defense. I, I think it's gonna be difficult to get a to get like an active gauge of where they are just because I, I, I don't think, and, and this is not just a Loyola thing. This is going to be tough for anybody to beat this Maryland offense. I mean, what you saw over the weekend from, from May Carlos, Zapatello, Bo Lace, McNaney, um, you know, Lacey at the D-mid and, and, and the likes. Uh, I mean, this is a strong, strong Maryland defense, as we mentioned. It's going to be tough for anybody in the country to go up against them and consistently beat them. Uh, so th- that that's going to be tough in, in its own right. Um, Loyola, though, I, I do want to see who they trot out there and kind of what they're looking to do offensively. 
Um, I, I, I've mentioned back in the Patriot League preview show, like this is still a team that's expected to, and I would expect to contend or at least compete for a spot there uh, in the Patriot League title game as usual, right? Uh, they do have a lot of question marks, obviously, um, in cage and at the face-off dot. And those are the two areas for me outside of the offense that I'm particularly looking at and saying, what do they do at these spots? Uh, but I mean, Loyola, a, a, a good team, uh, but 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 I, I don't think they have it in them to beat this Maryland team. And and with Maryland, something I'm watching here is the offense and how it continues to progress. Because we saw what you know Owen Murphy and Bray Noska and those guys did on Saturday. Uh, do they continue that uh, here this week against uh, an in-state foe there? In Loyola, so uh, a, an interesting one there that, that that may not be too close, but but so be interesting from a personnel standpoint when you look at what uh, and specifically what Loyola is going to do. So I'm I'm not really watching this one in, in terms of can Loyola upset Maryland because I I don't necessarily think that's that's possible. And again, I'm taking Maryland in this one, obviously. They had the performance they did last week. They're coming off the season that, that they're coming off of, and they have the defense that they do, which is the best in college. Lacrosse is going to be tough for anyone to beat this squad and, and this offense, obviously. Uh, picking up not exactly where it left off. Obviously, a lot of new faces there, but it has reloaded once again. The Terrapins offense has. Villanova and Penn State. This is a Sunday game. Here and uh, the, the the most um, important Sunday game that, that we have this week, uh, barring the uh, Super Bowl, go Eagles! Um, but Villanova coming into this game will be the opener. Penn State coming into this game, coming off of that twenty-one to eleven victory over Lafayette. This is a game that will be at Villanova. Uh, last year, this was a thirteen to twelve game. Uh, in the favor of Villanova as they got the win there. Um, the the face-off battle is something I, I'm watching in this one, uh, specifically Justin Coppola, I, I've mentioned, had a has had a really good progression the past couple of years here for Villanova. Uh, Hudson Bond is a guy who we saw step up massively uh, last weekend and have a really good opening game against Lafayette. And obviously Chase Mullins is there as well. Uh, that, that one-two punch there you have with Penn State. So uh, how does Bond in particular do against a guy like Copla, who I think is much better than than anyone he faced last week there um, with Lafayette Copla, top 25 potential uh, guy here in uh, Division One lacrosse. So, so that is certainly something to watch there in this game. Uh, but but then also, you know, can Penn State get what they uh, what they can they get what they got offensively and get that many guys involved? as they did last week. We know this is an offense we've talked about is more veteran laden with some of those guys back from injury. You obviously have a uh, grad transfer in Chris Jordan, grad transfer in Kevin Winkoff in there as well. Uh, you, know, you know, does this offense against the Villanova defense that was pretty young last year, returns some solid pieces there um, on the back end and Villanova defense that, that was able to give them some trouble last season, especially in the first half. So uh, can this, Penn State offense, this Newark Penn State offense, more veteran Penn State offense, get what they want 
against this Villanova defense that is looking to progress after last season. It does have some holes to fill there as well. Um, well Villanova mentioned Copla and what he can do at the dot. You also have Patrick Daly and Matt Campbell uh, coming back as well. And these are two guys. I believe it was Daly who had six goals against uh, Penn State last year. Campbell was in there as well. You two top returners on offense. And you do replace some pieces there on offense uh, with Luke Keating, J.P. Seal. Those grad transfers now gone from last season. So uh, how how much is kind of put on the on the shoulders of, of Daly and Campbell and kind of how does this offense fill out around them is also something interesting to watch in this game. Um, I can't remember who I picked in this game particularly. Let me see here on my picks here for week one of the college. I picked Penn State in this game. So, yeah, picking Penn State in this game, I, I think it's going to be very, very close. I, I think we could potentially see another one-goal battle here uh, between the Nittany Lions and the Wildcats. A couple other games uh want to recommend you all watch here before we get out. Uh, Bucknell and Robert Morris, a you know Western PA rivalry game. Bucknell coming off of that phenomenal uh, opening game last weekend, 20 to 6, believe it was, against Mercer. And both of these offenses are fun to watch. Both these teams do a lot of interesting things, a lot of different uh, playing styles that you see with Bucknell and Morris that you might not see with some other um, programs around the country. Uh, you know, interest here, Bucknell, I want to see is that like, was that just Mercer not being good or is that really what Bucknell's offense can do? So that, that, that'll be interesting to watch. And, and RMU does have some, some solid talent on, on the back end, James Lee. But uh, it, it is particularly that back end where I am watching mostly with uh, what, what do they do in goal? They had an odd goalie situation where it was first half goalie, second half goalie, they had a man down goalie. Uh, so we'll see how things go with Romo and Cage here on Saturday. Um, Air Force and Denver is another one to watch. Air Force coming off a, a uh, loss to Ohio State. Denver coming off of that uh, blowout win, uh, surprisingly, uh, over uh, Utah. I want to see Denver. Can they keep this up uh, here uh, heading into Air Force? And, and Air Force, uh, I mentioned J uh, Jason Rose. you got some solid talent there uh, in goal. You've got some solid Players on the back end as well. Uh, Josh Yago uh, really stepped up on on, on Saturday uh, for the Falcons in the Ohio State game offensively. Um, you know, so be interested to see how all these things kind of come together for both of these squads. I, I do wonder, uh, you know, Denver was able to get out and run against Utah, which was surprising. Do they do that again here against the Falcons? This one is at Air Force. You can watch it on the uh, Air Force YouTube channel uh, there. Which I always try to remind people. Some some programs do the YouTube stream, so I always try to remind on there. But as always, lacrossebucket.com. Go to the college or NCAA tab, whatever it says, 2023 Division One Men's Schedule tab. Click on that. We've got the schedule for the weekly schedule with all the uh, places you can watch these games as well. And with lacrosse, and especially this time of year, a lot of streaming involved there. Bryant and Providence. This one is interesting for multitude of reasons. First off, it is the first Ocean State Cup game of the year. The Ocean State Cup is a three-way rivalry between Bryant, Providence, and Brown. 
Uh, so uh, Providence and Bryant will both play Brown later on this year and we'll decide the Ocean State Cup winner. It is interesting here in this one, though, obviously, where you have Chris Gabrielli on the sideline of Bryant after being the head coach of Providence last season. He's on Brad Ross's inaugural staff there at Bryant. And then you have uh, Casey Broderson, who's on the inaugural staff of Bobby Benson at Providence. He was the associate head coach there for Bryant uh, under Mike Pressler uh, last season and for a number of years there as well. So that is, uh, that's interesting there also uh, of interest. Utah and Marquette. The last game here I want to kind of put in your mind. So Marquette last week beat Lindenwood, New Division One program. I, I want to see, I'm interested in Marquette this year. Bobby O'Grady's a solid player. Mason Woodward, those guys on defense. They've got a lot of talent. Got a lot of talent that's been developed over the past couple of seasons. Want to see how this all comes together this year. I, I think you could see Marquette maybe beat someone you might not have expected them to. Could that be Utah? I, I don't know. Uh, Marquette did have a, a good win over Lindenwood, a blowout win there. Uh, so a lot of guys got to come in. I don't think you got to see um, like 100% what Marquette's going to be with that blowout win. Uh, Utah obviously coming off a disappointing loss to Denver. We know this is a team that is good. We know this is a team that has a ton of talent, especially at the midfield spot. They got out and ran a lot last season. Can they, like, like what is, was that just a, a you know, opener kind of blunder, or, or is this, is Utah maybe not as good as we thought they were going to be? Uh, I think we can learn some of those answers here. What Marquette is going to be, and maybe what Utah is going to be here on Saturday. And that game is at Utah, streamed on the Pac-12 Plus network, uh, which is free, by the way, the Pac-12 Plus stream, I do believe. So if not, I, I apologize. I know it was last year. Uh, wouldn't imagine it would change this year. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the show on YouTube as well. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button on all those platforms. Helps us grow the show uh, and helps us in turn grow the game and continue to do this. Lacrosse Bucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.